This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. I hope you are having a wonderful summer. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. Go learn about all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com, including my podcast that is a lifestyle parenting-focused podcast called Why Is Everyone Yelling? What? Why is everyone yelling? Seriously. Uh, One of my favorite recent episodes over there is with Laura Tremaine, where we talk about 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. We have Caitlin from Big Time Adulting. Some of you might follow her on Instagram. She is a funny follow. Shannon Martin, she wrote a book called Start With Hello. And in this conversation, that's episode 126 of that podcast. We talk all about community and living as neighbors. One of my favorite things to talk about. We also have a good one with Jen Panero about sustainability tips for modern parents. All kinds of good episodes over there. Go check it out. It's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? Uh, All right. Well, today on I'll Have Another, we are fortunate to have Jenny Hitchings on the podcast. She is a force to be reckoned with. At 59, she broke a world record in London at the London Marathon running two hours, 45 minutes, 27 seconds. That is a world record for the 55 to 59 age group. She also placed 25th for women in a crowd of 48,000 runners. She lives in Sacramento where she is a running coach and middle school cross country coach. She has several age group American records. She runs with Rabbit. And in this episode, we talk about running to your fullest potential regardless of your age, how she stays strong and confident. And I just love talking to someone who is not letting their age define what they can and cannot do and chasing their dreams as hard as they ever have. I know you're going to love her story. And thank you, Jenny, for coming on the podcast. It has been a joy to get to know you. And I hope to meet you in person someday. Um, You guys can follow Jenny I'm sure you'll be inspired by her story. She's Jenny Hitchings on Instagram. Uh, Find me over there as well. I'm Lindsay Hine 626. I love connecting with listeners over there. This podcast is supported by Lagoon. Okay, the Lagoon pillows are just incredible. I have been sleeping on Lagoon pillows for probably eight months now, and this is the best pillow I've ever laid my head on. It is customized for me. You go to their website, lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay, and you fill out a two-minute quiz. And they send you the pillow that is best for you, whether you are a side sleeper, a back sleeper, if you like a fluffy pillow, a more sturdy pillow, and you will be lined up with the pillow that is best fit for your needs. They send you with the fluff that goes in the pillow so you could fill it up as much or as little as you'd like. I like can't sleep without this pillow anymore. I love it so very much. I just need Ryan, the founder, to create a travel pillow. I hope that's on your list, Ryan. Uh, Also, oh, if you have any, like, if you are interested in learning more about Lagoon Pillows, I did do an Instagram live with Ryan, the founder, who, by the way, just did the Leadville 50 miler himself. Uh, We talk about that a little bit too, but um, I posted that on June 28th, and you're going to hear about 
why these are the best pillows out there. If you go to my Instagram, lindsayhine 626 um, and go check out that live with him. It's really good. It's really good. And he just accomplished that really big goal himself. So he's very passionate about helping athletes sleep well. Okay, lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay. Use the code Lindsay for 15% off your order. You will not be disappointed. This is the best investment you can make for yourself. I guarantee that. Um, all right, friends. Well, leave us a rating and review if you love the episode. Share it on social so Jenny can see the love and enjoy my conversation with Jenny Hitchings. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Jenny Hitchings on the show. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this for the last couple of weeks. So excited to have you on the show. Uh, kind of like, I feel like we should have done this years ago. I followed your story here and there. I heard you on some other podcast and, you know, I always see it in the, in the news feeds when you break another record and we were coming up with some new people to have on them. Like, why have we not had Jenny Hitchens on the show? because <laughs> she's old <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an even more exciting reason yeah. to do it though honestly um oh, I you. I love it your story is so inspiring um you just ran a lifetime PR this spring in London which is just wild at is it 59 right yes congratulations 60 July 1st so coming up okay so we both have um Big milestone birthdays this summer because I'm rolling into 40. How do you feel about rolling into 60? It's so funny because I think I probably, I cry usually at every birthday, you know, big birthday, like, like oh no. So I think I was pretty, you know, um, crying and I'm getting so old at 40 and had a total meltdown and stress attack at 50. And now here comes 60. And um, for some reason, I feel a little bit more um, calm about it and okay with it because I feel like I'm in a good a good place. And um, so far, 40s was my best decade, I think it was so fun. And 50s was just fine. And all these other experiences happened for me. And so I now just assuming 60s will be the same way, you know, so I'm, I'm not fretting about it as much as I did the other ones. Um, but we'll, well see on July 1st. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I think part of what you said there is what, um, what makes me anxious because I, 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 I remember I said this in my early thirties. I was like, I feel like these years are like, I'm, I'm like living my best years and I don't want them to go away. And then I've heard people double down, like it's even better in your forties and it's like time is so fleeting. So I think that's why it makes me so anxious. I'm like, it's going to be here and gone. And then I try to think of the last decade and I'm like, that wasn't here and gone. Like a decade ago, you yeah. only had one kid. You have four now. Like so much has happened in that decade. Right, right. You got to look and think, yeah, what what exactly has life brought me in that decade? And it is, it is so much and some completely rewarding and some things might not be, but, you know, 10 years is a long time. But yeah, so I even hear that with people like, oh yeah, well, you know, I'm almost 30 now, so I can see why this stuff's <laughs> happening to me. Or I'm always sort of like, oh, please. <laughs> But I get that's that's reality. That's everyone's reality. So we're all going to go through that as we as we age and, you know, enter these new times in our lives, you know, it's totally true. And now that I'm about to be 40, I hear that with people turning 30 and I'm like, but then I try to be not, um, oh, just one of those people that's like, you just wait because nobody ever wants to hear that either. You know, I think that's a really good point. And especially like when, uh, yeah, turning into my 50s and 
again, we all age differently and we all go through different stuff physically and mentally. And I got so much of that, you know, just you wait, just you mm. wait till, you know, your arms aren't looking like that and they're going to be all flabby to the touch. And just you, you wait, you're going to have like this menopausal belly and just you wait, you're not going to be able to, whatever it is, I can't, I won't be able to wear what I want to wear or look mm-hmm. the way I want to look or act the way I want to look, be. And it, it never turned out that way, at least for me, it always turned out to be okay. And it's the same thing too with having kids. Oh, just wait till they're three. Just wait till they're eight. Oh, oh okay. The 14, 15, hate them, you know, and, um, and it wasn't that way either. It's just like, no. you know, well, I don't know why we all set each other up for stuff. Um, but, uh, it's just always a different experience for the individual. So it's like a misery competition. Like just wait yeah. till, and it's like, <laughs> what? No, like let's actually tell a different story. Yeah. There is nothing that brings me more joy than telling a mom of babies and toddlers that like you will sleep again. Like it does get easier for so many reasons. And I still have little kids, but like this is not the same kind of like emotional, physical, like um, drama that I had when they were super little. Now I'm about to enter a new phase here in a minute. And I know that it's going to bring more challenges as we enter preteen years and all that. But like um, maybe it's also just that I'm sitting in those golden years of like not little yeah. littles and not, not big, bigs, but man. Well, and I think it's true that every stage I remember with my girls too, and even other parts of my lives, you just want to, you know, hermetically seal it and keep it that way. And you don't want to mm-hmm. see change or growth because you're loving that moment and you're so worried what the next stage is going to be. And, you know, you go through that when they go into, you know, preschool, then nursery, kindergarten, like that's just, oh my God, they're going to school. And, um, and then this is just with having kids. um, But just that fear that it's always going to be hard or scary or sad. And um, I can honestly say, at least for me and overall, it always is okay. We're always somewhat prepped for that next stage somehow, because it just doesn't happen like that. You know, um, we are, I think we're, we're prepared in some way, um, for the next, the next step. And so it's never quite as bad as you think it's going to be. Do you have grandbabies? Yeah, I have, um, one, a new, new grandbaby, Olivia, um, who I was just in Austin visiting just the last couple of days. So she's 15 months. So that's been a challenge too. And that's another one of those like, Oh my gosh, I'm a grandmother. What's that going to be like now? I really feel old and don't call me grandma and, um, (laughs) you know, all these things. And then, and even that, that turned out to be just the most wonderful experience. And everyone told me it was going to be one of the best experiences ever is having a grandchild. And it it is, it's, it's been just wonderful and fun. And now I only wish that, you know, they live closer to me, which they're planning on moving back to Sacramento soon. So, um, Yeah. It's just, that's been fun. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Now, obviously we're talking about age a lot in this episode, but as I'm talking about it more, I'm like, do you ever just get sick of it? Like, just let me be, just let me run with all these races with all these people and not talk about the fact that I'm approaching 60. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I think for a while too, like when I was crossing a, a, a finish line, you know, and rather than just saying, you know, my name, Jenny Hitchings coming across the line, it's like, and coming in at, you know, 57 years old. I'm like, wait, you're not saying that about anybody else. Like, yeah. <laughs> why me? <laughs> you know, um, or, um, but yeah, sometimes I just, it would be nice to just, uh, 
set back. And at the other time too, I'm, I'm proud of it because mm -hmm. I get up there at the start and I'm up there with some of the, you know, the bad boys and bad girls. And it feels like sometimes I'm looked at like, you know, wait, I think you're supposed to be back a couple corrals. I'm like, no, I'm actually supposed to be here. Um, you know, or, <laughs> you know, um, so I, I'm proud. Yeah. That I can be, um, my age and, and doing that. And so maybe in some ways that'll be more of a letdown when, um, I, I do just let the whole age thing go and, um, and what I'm doing for my age, you know, um, that just makes me, I guess, normal. So, um, I like, I like having that difference. So, um, yeah, I'm, that's been, that'll be okay. Okay. So let's talk about the evolution. I know you've told your story before, but let's talk about the evolution of your running and the fact that you are setting personal best times in the marathon at 59 years old. When did you start actually getting competitive? I became, okay. So, you know, running really truly for fitness since I went to UC Santa Barbara, you know, and just enjoyed running, loved running. Um, and, really never stopped running since then. And then um, even through my moves and pregnancies and, you know, the loss of my mom and all these things, I, I running is one of the things that I still remain consistent at for, for really my whole life. And then when we got to Sacramento and I was running more and it really just took, you know, meeting the right people and joining some running teams and, you know, getting my first coach because I realized I was actually having doing pretty well um, I started to become more competitive and um, had more drive with it all close to 40 40 mm, so mm -hmm. it's been you know almost a 20 year stint um, which you know again maybe that's why I'm doing well right now like I've said in other podcasts or articles you know um, doing well now because it has been a shorter stint for me that some I'm not you know I don't have the mileage and the pounding and the training on my legs from being a high school or college runner, you know, and they always say, Oh yeah, you get like 25 good years. Like that's another one of the things they warn you about. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, get ready. You know, <laughs> time's up. it's all downhill from here. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe I'll have another five good years left. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> it depends what you, uh, how you define good years. Right. Yeah. What do you, what would you say to someone who's like obsessing over age? I think it's being redefined for sure. And you're one of those reasons, you know, I think of like the professional running scene, like Sinead Diver, like there's all these women in their forties running like sub two thirty. Um, so it, it's being redefined, but I think for a long time, people put a like ceiling on even 40 and they start obsessing. Like I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. What is your message to those people? Well, I think we all, you know, think that way because time is, it is limited and there is, you know, a beginning and an end. And so it's, it's sort of natural for us to think in terms of how much time and, you know, longevity do we have doing a certain sport or looking a certain way. And, um, I, I, I guess I just, um, I just don't, at this point, I don't want to put a, a cap on things that you kind of, you go as you go year to year, you take or day to day, you take what you can get and what your body will give you. And you just, you do the best you can. And at some point, you, you can't keep looking back and comparing and you can only sort of move forward and, 
and do it in, as I was sort of saying earlier, like, and just sort of age and do things with grace. Don't do anything that's sort of inappropriate or beyond your means or something you're pushing that's never going to work for you. But also just because you're a certain age and you think you're supposed to be a certain way doesn't necessarily mean that you can't keep trying to do the best and keep pushing for something um, just because you are a certain age. You just, you get out there, you try, you do the best and, and, and see what, what happens with it. So I think the hardest thing is like, we don't have to put caps on things because we are um, a certain age. And um, we don't have to assume that what's happened to other people and other athletes or other women, however it is, is going to happen to you too. And what we do is we keep looking at role models and we keep looking at, you know, people our age or um, what our age is supposed to look like and what we're supposed to be. And, you know, and I think we should, you know, not do that and stop trying to um, either be something we're not um, or feel like or even stop trying to be what we can be. Anyway, I, I just sort of feel like I just don't want to put the again at this this level of where it's supposed things are supposed to stop, you know. And I feel that way about a lot of things as far as even about, you know, your appearance, how you dress, mm -hmm. you know, how physically active are your friends. Like you don't have to keep 50, 60 year old friends. You can also have friends that are in their 30s and their 20s and that friends have a different definition, too. I have my 50, 60 year old friends where it's menopause all the way. And this is what we talk about, the things we get okay. each other. And then I have the younger friends who they bring a whole other element into my life, you know, and in my age. Um, anyway, yeah, it's not, you know, it's something you can keep building upon, you know, you just, you know, you be your best, you look your best. Okay. So before we talk about this 245 that you've just run, uh, I do want to talk about like um, the menopause situation just a little bit and how over the years, you know, you started running more competitively at 40 in the forties is typically it's different for everybody is when people kind of start doing like perimenopause thing and then menopause, 50s ish I know this is like very general but um, I'm curious like how you walked through transitions with your own body as you continued to get faster mm -hmm. um, it's funny to me like perimenopause menopause rather than these things sort of happening in day to day month to month year to year I feel like it was sort of things in, in cycles like around 40 I went through a, a year to like a cycle of just that beginning stuff and then 45 and then 50 and then 55. Like, so I feel like it wasn't this, this long string of, um, you know, oh, I'm going through menopause for, you know, 15 years. So it just, again, it, to me, it happened in these, these cycles. And, you know, I could tell when I was in some sort of cycle by just, um, again, like maybe how my, my, my periods were working to like, um, definitely my mood swings are going through something with, um, you know, mini hot flashes or whatever it was. It's just I would go through these little periods and then they would sort of die down or calm down. And then, you know, as I got older, they might come on and then last a little bit longer until finally you're just, you know, you're kind of in it. Um, and for me, though, a lot of the, the menopausal stuff as far as um, my body. Um, so first of all, I probably didn't really hit menopause until and I started to really go through it, I want to say around 51, something like that. So a little bit later for some, you know, but around 51, things were, things were changing. Definitely. I was, you know, 
waking up throwing you know every single blanket off of me in bed with and just like drenching my clothes and you know and um just uh my mind I was feeling a little foggy headed and then you know I was not sleeping well and so I'd wake up more tired and then I was getting these insane like some you know just sort of mood swings just not feeling happy all the time or really sad or if I I would get mad I get really mad it's sort of like everything that I kind of am or anxious like was exemplified you know just times that by you know whatever 10 and so that was sort of the hard stage as far as how I was doing more mentally because if you're then not sleeping well and then you're not you know eating well and you're not doing these things then you have to do your workouts and you have to wake up and you still want to train but you're just you're tired or you're just not, you're feeling like, well, why am I doing this anyway? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you go through mental and, um, or feeling frustrated with yourself and, um, apologizing a lot to people for your behavior. <laughs> 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 so I think for me that sort of that first chance, that's where, you know, um, I started, I went to the doctor and my gynecologist, I'm like, okay, you know, I know I'm going through it, you know, like my, my periods are, coming on full force it's like you know I'm just you know I'm having they're lasting kind of a long time and then they're gone for you know a month or two with like I just all that stuff that was just strange and definitely I think even when you're younger and older like your menstrual cycle affects how you run too like that three or four days before my period I would just have the most tired worst ones the minute I got my period like I was on fire like I could yes I you know, so yes. people are like, oh my God, what if you get your period during a race? I'm like, bring it. Good. Yeah. <laughs> my marathon period but, uh, was, was brand new. on the day, the day I started my period. It's like, you just, yeah. you're lighter. You yeah, feel lighter. There's something that happens. Like, and again, it's, it's mental, your body, you just, yeah, you don't feel as um, heavy or crampy or all that stuff. So, um, but again, back to those initials, that stages of going through it all, my, my weight or my body um, that, that really didn't change. I did not, you know, I didn't put on weight. In fact, I think I probably through menopause lost weight. I think I've become a thinner person. Um, I don't know why that happened. Um, but I, I certainly didn't, as I said, was saying earlier about, I didn't get that menopausal, you know, belly. I didn't start to lose or gain a lot more body fat. I didn't feel like I was getting, you know, flabbier in all the wrong places, you know, like that, that part didn't really happen to me, but I did feel that the estrogen I was starting to lose, you know, affecting, you know, again, your mood, the sweats, your hair, um, just all those things that make sometimes me feeling like a woman feel mm. like softer was just um, going away. So you just mm-hmm. feel like um, things just make you start to look a little bit hardened in some way because you don't have, mm-hmm. I mean, estrogen clearly, I think, just sort of softens our bodies in some ways um Mm. so then um when I did kind of go through it I would do blood tests like watching my estrogen sort of you know drop and drop and drop I started um you know I would start with an estrogen patch you know very low like lowest and then as we you know you go do a blood test like okay it's dropping some more like I'm having these feelings still till finally you just sort of I'm now in menopause I'm basically not making much estrogen at all if any you know you have to do what feels right for you. And I, I can't more, more than anything. I think the estrogen is just for me, it, it was more for mood and, you know, again, that's sort of that overheating, hot flashy type mm-hmm. stuff, you know, and, um, but 
And again, I don't know if you can really keep up with it 100%. I know it's still going to, you know, wane some like at some point, you know, I, I don't want to take it for my whole life, you know, so yeah, or maybe you can some doctors say who cares, but right, you know. All right, a quick break to tell you about AG1, a daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports the whole body, okay? I take AG1 every morning. Get up, mix it up with eight ounces of water, and that is how I start my day. Actually wake up wanting my AG1. It feels so nourishing. What I love about AG1 is it is a solution for the whole body support. It also saves time. It's just one scoop in the morning, you shake it up, and that's that. It's science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients. AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. AG1 helps you build your health foundations first. If you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drink ag1.com slash Lindsay. That's drinkag1.com slash Lindsay. Check it out. And that is Lindsay with an EY. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, okay, let's talk about breaking records. You've broken so many American records and even world records. And I am curious, like, at what point, like, do you say, okay, what's the next big goal? Obviously you're entering a new age category division, um, hitting 60 this summer. So is it just like knock all those out? And then what ultimately is going to bring you like that satisfaction of new PR kind of feeling? You know, it's interesting too. Satisfaction is hard because I don't know if I ever truly feel satisfied, which is probably why I keep doing this. Um, and believe me, I'd rather stay 59, probably 58 and not break any more records than, you know, feel lucky that I'm going to be 60 now and get to break records. Like, eh, I'll take, I'll take my fifties still probably, um, (laughs) a little bit longer, but, uh, no, I think, you know, turning 60, which is soon, you know, and then there's, you know, these races that come up, whether it's a, a 5k right here to the 10 mile to a 10k and all these are all that I could do are record eligible courses. And then I'm doing Chicago in October. Like, yeah, I mean, that would be a great goal to try and bang them all out in the next, till the end of this year. Um, But I also realize that you're on the low end of 60. And so, um, you know, I'm, if I want to make it actually harder for the people who are turning 60, if I really don't want them broken as fast, I might have to then try and do some more, maybe later on as well, which is sort of what I did now. Um, But yeah, I think that would be the, a huge goal if I could do all that. And um, as I've said too, you know, right now that feels doable. I have to still, I have to kind of look up what all those records are for sixty to sixty-four. Um, but it seems doable until until it's not. Again, you can go out there and it's, if it's yeah, not your day, bad weather, you know, things are happening and you don't do it. Yeah, I might not get the time I want. Someone else in my age group might, you know, beat me. Who knows? Um, but it seems kind of like a fun goal right now is just to, yeah, bang it all out. <laughs> and then, and then I'll probably then sit back and then then worry about, you know, like, okay, now do I have to go out and bang and, you know, break my own record now again? Like, it's like, so that's what I mean. Like the satisfaction, like, you know, you go out there, I race and, you know, I want to go faster than I did before. And, 
and people think, well, what do you have to prove? I mean, mm-hmm. you already have the American record. You already have a world record. Like, who cares? And like, well, I don't know. I guess I want to see if I can, yeah, break my make break my own. I mean, that's that's becomes what the goal is. Um, but it gets it gets a little draining and tiring. Yeah. And as someone once said to me, at some point, you're just chasing your own shadow, and um, I don't want to do that. You know, I just I'd like to be able to just go and run and race for the sheer enjoyment and just do the best I can on that day and not put all the stress on me that it has to be a record. That that gets tiring, which seems super weird to say like, oh my God, I don't want to have to go break another one of my records. (laughs) 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 That sounds so horrible. But, um, you know, I, it, it, you want to be able to start to let these things go and just appreciate what, what I should appreciate what I've done. And, uh, not let every single training run and race and all these things be sort of gearing up for trying to, to do something I've already done. Well, and you just ran the, a PR. So it's like, it's crazy to think, should you go after that time again in Chicago, if circumstances allow that, um, I'm just meaning with like your training and weather and you know, the million things. Um, that your 60 record will be possibly could be lower than your 50 to 55 to 59 record. Well, yeah, that'd be weird. <laughs> that'd be but great. I mean, it but it might so be. Funny. Yeah, but I never go. I always, you know what, Lindsay, I'm not, I'm not that confident. I think one of my biggest issues with training and racing is that I, 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 I don't, I don't have the confidence you think I would actually have. Mm. I always, go into things with self-doubt or anxiety or am I going to be able to do this or I know how it's going to feel or I'm maybe I'm not I I I never seem to be able to go into these things thinking oh I got this 100% or I can do this and even when I went into um, Boston when I did the 245 in um, 2021 no idea that I ever had that in me and then I thought okay I'm done you know I'm never gonna be able to do this again and then I went to CIM you know eight weeks later and did a 246 like, okay, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. I'm just not, and did it again in London. And now I'm, here I am saying, oh, well, that's okay. Again, that shit has <laughs> sailed. I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. And who knows? So instead I set myself up something that seems to be more reasonable or less stressful. And that's like, mm. just go for the 250, you know, or go for a 251. Like just go get, oh, if you can get a world record and that's what it turns out. Like I don't have to be greedy and go for, you know, like, not greedy, but you know, I don't have to put myself through the training or the racing to get a 245, a 244, whatever it might be. Um, and I say that now because that feels better to me, but less pressure, <laughs> right? But once I get out there, something another gear happens, something switches, and then it's not okay. My original goal, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm moving better, I can do better than this, and then you kind of get on a different you know, role. And I don't know where that other gear comes from for me, but there's how I feel walking in and then there's how I am when I'm there. I don't, mm. you know, and that's probably what makes me a good runner competitive because once I get out there and it's it's happening, I really, you know, things change. It would be nice if our pre-race self could meet our mid-race self and that like fighter that's in us and that determined person 
to say like, hey, you're going to fight really hard for this. Stop being nervous about it beforehand. Stop underselling yourself because you've done this before and you know that you have it in you. Um, but our, our mind plays tricks before. And maybe maybe telling yourself, I'll just go for the 250 is a good thing because you relieve yourself of pressure. True. And then, but I also know in my head too that if I got out there and I was running well for a little bit and then started to, to die or fall apart, or let's say, and let's say, and then I, not even die or fall apart, but let's say, and then I feel like, okay, I'm on 245, 246 pace, let's go. And then something should happen and I end up with a 250. I'd be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird because that was my original goal. Like, yeah, I, I, I still broke a record, you know, but I think that there's something that you're like, oh, I was so close or I was doing this or I could have had that or what if I had done this differently? And rather than um, standing back and hugging myself about it, you know, I, um, yeah, I can get disappointed or upset or what, what went wrong. And then that, I think that's probably what then would put me out to do it again. But again, I think it's probably that that fire or that determination or that unknowing of what's going to happen and what ends up happening mm -hmm. is just probably what keeps me going and continuing, you know, on this trajectory. Um, and that's with all of them too. Like, you know, I haven't raced a 10 K really again since I had got the American record there, but there was a part of me too, that feels like I can maybe still lower, lower that one, you know, or I can still lower. Um, but you have to find the right courses to do these on. And that takes work. You know, there's a lot of 10Ks and 5Ks and halves, and but if they're not record eligible, um, right. it doesn't matter. So that, that's another job in itself is going out and seeking races and traveling to them, which I don't have that much drive and motivation. And I'm lucky yeah. here in Sacramento that we have so many courses that are record eligible. So I don't have to go very far. Um, This might be a silly question. Is CIM record eligible? No. Okay, I didn't um, think it was. If it's point to point, because it well, it might have a little net down. There's, that's the thing about CIM. People are thinking, oh, it's all downhill, but it's there's definitely some rollers, and then there uh -huh. is sort of the net down, kind of like Boston. But yeah, I mean, nothing as crazy as hilly as Boston, but you can't have point to point um, because it could be wind driven and, and it could be a downish. You could have a downhill. But what's funny is New York, where I got the first world record for the marathon. Um, I found that I didn't find that as hard as Boston and Boston being that, you know, I felt, I feel Boston's one of the hardest courses out there for me. Yeah. Um, so it's I interesting think, too, yeah. that, that it's not record eligible. <laughs> Cause I think it's hard. I know. Isn't um, that crazy? It's not like anybody runs super fast at Boston. I mean, some people do, but like, you're not seeing like Chicago times. Right. Right. Um, how'd you choose Chicago? Um, well, my coach, uh, Jenny Spangler, who's a post, uh, Olympic marathoner, she lives in Chicago and, um, I, I'd love to be able to kind of go there and, and see her. She works a lot with the marathon too, or she's, I think she's one of the people in the lead cars, you know, um, mm. kind of talking about the race, but, uh, she's there and, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's record eligible. It's flat. I love Chicago, um, and uh, I think it's one of those Abbott World Major, you know, the age championships, even though I don't know if I'm going to really um, participate in that aspect of it. Um, but 
And Chicago is one of these great races too. They're they're very kind about you know if if you're an older runner with good times, you know they'll give you put you in that American Development Program and give mm. you an entry and the, and the perks that go along with that. So um, I took advantage of that. And my daughter's going to come do it. My youngest daughter Maggie, she's going to do it um, as well. So oh, she's going to start run working it. on her training. Yeah. <laughs> Are you so, going to coach? Anyway. You going to coach her? Yeah. There's what I'll tell her to do. And then there's what she'll end up doing. But yeah, I'm try. <laughs> Is it her first marathon? She actually did New York when I did New York in 2019. That was her first one. Cause she lived in New York and uh, okay. that was, you know, and she came out of that with like a two thirty eight or, or three thirty eight or something good. So I think she's going to try and do a Boston qualifier if she mm. can. What do your girls think about like mom being such a speedy runner? I think, well, first of all, I think, they're super proud of me and acknowledge that I can do something that, you know, they can't do. And I don't even know if they want to, but um, they, <laughs> I think they're, they're very proud and they're, you know, honored to have a mom like me that's, you know, that, that, that's fit and coaching and, you know, again, running with people around their age. And uh-huh. I, I think they like that. Maybe it brings me, brings a little more, some youth to me um, mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but <laughs> and proud. And I, I think, again, Maggie, um, she's very interested in running and doing stuff. But I don't know if either of them quite have uh, that same competitive drive of or that one. So they'd be doing that training like I do, you know, every day in and out. But uh, Molly, who I just is in Austin, she's my older one. She just did her first like sprint triathlon. So, you know, I can see the drive. I mean, she started training and she she got competitive, you know, when she was out there and, and I could see she was getting a little nervous before and like all that stuff. She, so she knows, you know, how I feel, you know, with mm-hmm. training for something. And again, so does Maggie. They're both good athletes and have done some races, but um, it's also back to two that it's just mom too. This is what they've grown up with and they know. So uh, I know I stand out from yeah some other mothers or, yeah. you know, they're, that they were used to, but um, there it's also just, who I am, I could say, you know, this is what I did. And they'd, you know, make, ah, that's cool. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Knew you could. Um, It's just, um, I feel like it's just sort of, it's just mom doing that again too. (laughs) Yeah. So. Durability wise, you've had, you said you had, you've had your injuries or setbacks, but I mean, even people in their thirties are doing like when they start training at this level of, um, like I want to even break three hours, things like that. They're doing PT. They're going to chiropractors. They're doing all the things. I'm curious, like, and I've heard you say you're pretty flexible and balanced on, on how you operate, but like what extras are you doing? Well, I definitely have, you know, the people in my corner. I have the person who will give me a, a massage. I have my you know, physical therapist or chiropractor guy who will help me through things or someone I can call on a whim if something's going on. But mm-hmm. I can't say I'm always super regular about it. I mean, I try and get in for a massage, you know, every three weeks and I try and see okay. my PT guy, even if it's just to check me out, see if everything's, you know, in working order, or my body's in balance. Um, 
again, like every three weeks. And then if something's wrong, I tend to go in more and they'll say like, well, have you been doing the exercises and these things mm-hmm. I gave you? And my answer is like, no, that's why I'm seeing you. <laughs> like, you do that for me, which is never the right answer. Um, but So I had the people there on a regular basis or even sometimes when I am getting hurt or something's popping up. I'm also one of these people that sort of um, less is more. I feel like the less people that touch me, you know, and work a certain area, it just, it always seems to get a little more aggravated or something else starts to hurt or they move something on my back and then all of a sudden I can't twist in a certain way. It's like, I just, you know, hands off people. I just don't want anyone (laughs) touching me. (laughs) And that does sometimes seems to work for me too, because sometimes what I have going on will work its way out again with either some rest or my own kind of stretching rolling. But um, having too many people or cooks in the kitchen doesn't always work for me either. Um, mm. But and then if but if things are really bad, you know, sure, you know, then you kind of go in and you get sort of the the routine you need to follow or have someone kind of get into a certain place or if they suggest, you know, okay, you might just need to take this a little bit further and you know get a cortisone injection and you're like, well, if that if it ever comes to that, you know, like. I'll listen, but overall, I am. Um, yeah, I start to feel like I just I don't want any more manipulation, you know. So, um, but I know that works for some people sometimes, you know. And then it never the only thing that ever really makes things heal is basically just letting it heal. Yeah, at some point. Oh my gosh, um, I'm so. dealing with this with my ten year old son. He like rolled his ankle or something on the soccer, you know, playing soccer at recess. And then he jumped off this really tall fence and irritated it more. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you literally have to rest. He's like, I-, I have to play soccer at recess. I can't not play soccer at recess. And I'm like, well, it's not going to get better then. Like, I can't force you to right. not play soccer at recess, but like, it's going to continue to hurt. <laughs> and he, he can't right. outwrap his head around this fact that like, he just can't play soccer for like maybe even a week and it'll be better, but he will not stay off of this dang foot. Right. And you say that to even the people like coach, you know, anyone that's like, <laughs> if you think that one day you're going to wake up and that thing's going to be gone, it's, if that's not how it works. If you keep doing yeah. what you're doing, you know, yeah, you have to rest it. You have to, you know, and again, there are self things you can do at home to improve whatever's going on. And I'm not saying you shouldn't go see someone to for some work but it's just I think more than anything it's sort of that consistent having someone you know um working on me but yeah at some point you just have to throw up your hands and say okay I just have to do some cross training just do something else for a little bit here and let this heal which I know we're all bad at it's hard yeah okay so we have to touch on strength training them do you do strength training um not really um no I I like riding my Peloton, which, you know, for cross training, I'll do my Peloton or if things are hurting, I'll get on the Peloton or I'm tired and I will do some weight stuff, you know, while on the bike. Um, but I don't do any of the other classes off Peloton. And I, I'm pretty good about doing push-ups and, you know, mm-hmm. some planky stuff. Um, but other than that, no, am I, am I doing, you know, deadlifts and lifting weights or doing stuff with my legs? I don't. And again, back to, I don't know if that'll just hurt me more. But I, I've been thinking a lot about that too. You know, the things I do with fueling and strength training and cross training, I am a minimalist about some of this stuff, or I don't know as much as maybe I should about some of this stuff. And 
Um, that's where, again, like running just might come more naturally to me. And I just kind of go do what I do with that. And I don't do the other stuff. But the more I've been thinking about it, too, the more I've been thinking, well, I don't know. I keep thinking, well, whatever I'm doing is working. Why should I do that stuff? But maybe if I did do some strength training, maybe if I did um, take more than three gels in a marathon, maybe if I did do some, <laughs> you know, more cross training, maybe I would be faster. So then I don't know. And that's actually something I'm thinking about for Chicago. Like, should I try all these things that I don't do much of that everybody promotes and does and wonders why I don't do? And maybe I'll get faster. And then the other part's like, uh, I don't, that's where I might not have the drive. Like, I'm doing okay. Like, I don't know. Do I need to do something where I actually feel things are working all right with me for me without it? But I don't know how yeah. long that'll last because we certainly can use the flexibility and the strength just as we get older. It's good for us. Yeah. Will it help me in the races? I don't know. I don't, maybe it would. And I've been missing out on that you know, all these years. <laughs> so I, you know, it's um, hard. Cause you're like, do I gamble with it for this race? Cause then what if it like screws me up and then I've got this whole training cycle and race that like went to shit because I didn't, you know, do what I, my body knew, but you don't know until you try. Oh, I totally right. hear you. Right. So, you know, it's a hard one because I do get it's necessary and would be good for me. It's crazy what I can do on a daily basis with running and recording and like all this stuff. And then, you know, like to get me to go do 10 minutes of a strength class, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm just tired. <laughs> like, like, it's so funny wherever that drive or motivation goes, it, it's not there. But yes, I, I'm not going to say it wouldn't help. It might help. Well, and you're running, I heard you say on another podcast that you peak about 70, 75 miles a week and your base is around 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people running your paces probably run more than that. So it's like, which I mean, that's a lot. You run a lot. But it's like, maybe that's also one of the reasons you don't get injured as much without doing all the extra stuff is like your body is so used to this distance that, um, and it's not overly aggressive for someone who's been doing it for so many years. Right. I mean, I think I've never been a high mileage. I mean, lots of people, you know, getting into nineties and above, I think maybe a few times or in my years, I mean, could get into the eighties, but that means I am running seven days a week. And I, so again, this is running that mileage on six days a week. So it's, it feels still higher mileage just because I'm getting a lot more in in six days. But once if I was running seven days with a day off only like maybe every 10th day or two weeks, like a lot of people do. Um, yeah, yeah, I could up that mileage a lot. But I like my rest days. It feels good to rest. It feels good to not have to think about run. I just like getting out of bed and actually eating a bowl of cereal with milk, you know, <laughs> and you know, like just not worried about you know having to get out there, you know, for a run or what my stomach's going to feel like. And so I just, yeah, I, I need the rest day and I always have. Do you have a certain day you take a rest day? That's changed over the years, but right now I'm I'm, I'm on Mondays usually. Mondays, but like I Monday I was in Austin, and me too. It just seems like a, a lot of people say, "Well, that's not a great way to start the week off." But in some ways, I around the weekend or you know, like to me, it's a good catch up day. I have things to do uh -huh. on Mondays, and uh, uh -huh. um usually like on Mondays or every other Monday is when I write because I have, you know, 14 people I coach. And that's when I usually write schedules. And I just, it's just a nice, just, you know, chill day for me. 
So, all right, a quick break here. Whoa, let me tell you about Cozy Earth. All right, I've heard about Cozy Earth for a very long time, ever since I saw them on Oprah's Favorite Things. They are luxury goods that will transform your life. And when I mean your life, I mean your sleep. Okay, Cozy Earth bedding is temperature regulating and is available in viscose from bamboo and in linen. I have these sheets on my bed right now and on my pillowcases. You know when you get hot at night and then you want to like flip the pillow over? You don't even like get that when you sleep in these sheets. They are so comfortable, so cooling. And I am a hot sleeper. I need a cooling sheet. And that soft, soft pillowcase on my, of course, Lagoon pillows that I use. They also have super cozy loungewear, like the most comfortable loungewear you will ever find. Cozy Earth has provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today, up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code ANOTHER35. So go to CozyEarth.com, use the code ANOTHER35, that will get you 35% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Do you find that a lot of athletes that come to you for coaching are women who are like post 40? A lot inquire and ask me, I'd say they reach out to me, but I'd say half of my client base right now are women under, you know, 35 or 40. So um, I do get a lot of requests, um, but I don't like to take on any more than 14. And also the, the women too, who are over 40, and I do have some in their 50s, you know, too, um, to me, it's still important that um, the reasonings of why they yeah. want a coach and what they're looking for with running, you know, like, um, since I can only take on so, a certain amount of people, I have definitely ideas about the person I'd like to coach. I know will be a good coaching relationship. So um, I, I do look at that, but it's not all. And I get some men too. So yeah, but yeah, right now it seems to be half and half over 40. Like 14 just feels like a good place for you like we're because I always feel like I coach runners and I usually have like 10 maybe I always feel like that's yeah. the number where like I can actually know people and right. like without people getting like lost in my thoughts like oh what is she running or you know what are right. they doing um is that just how you feel with settling on 14 I think 14 because I'm like you I think 10 is a good number and usually within the 14 there's three or four that are either something comes up or they have a race and then they're recovering or, and so to balance it off that they're really like sometimes the 10, I kind of, or the 10 I'm focusing on because other people kind of move in and out of their, they're transitioning somehow or whatever they're running. So they might not take as much of my time. Um, and I don't get out there one-on-one with them, but you know, there's a lot of, I'm very open obviously to those emails and texts and calling me and communicating and, you're right. 14, if I was with that every single, you know, every two weeks, like doing that for people, um, I do start to lose track. I have to kind of keep going back and what did they do? And, oh, shoot, I forgot they had a 5k yesterday. <laughs> or, you know, like I just, um, I, I don't want to be that, that coach. So I just try and I think keep it that manageable number. I'm also not as busy like you do with the podcasting and the kids, like I have a little more free time. So it's easier for me to manage, you know, 14 mm. people. I mean, some of these online coaches are doing like 50, 60. Like I don't, I can't fathom. And I know, yes, my jobs are divvied up in different 
you know, different ways. But I'm just like, I don't, I don't see how it's, it's crazy. But I mean, I know people that do it and do it well, but I just, I couldn't mentally do it. I'm not organized enough. No, um, that's it. And, Me too. <laughs> and I don't have the support of another, maybe another person that might be overseeing uh-huh. everything with those coaches. I don't have, um, I'm not good at like, you know, keeping training plans in order, like, you know, like, oh, this training plan worked well for this reason. Maybe I can kind of tweak this and work this for some, like, I feel like I'm always starting from scratch uh-huh. um, a lot with people, which is good, but yeah, I, I you have to be super organized and have sort of these platforms that really help you keep an eye on each person. I mean, how about just a picture of them? <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. you don't use like Vida or Final Search or anything. I use Final Search, but even I need to learn to use Final Search a little bit better. I know there's more uh-huh. capabilities on there yeah. than I I know. And every once in a while, I write like the help desk, like, "Hey, like, how do I do something?" Uh-huh. But I know I could take more advantage of that platform than I do. Totally. For sure. When I started using VDOT, I was like, what was I doing all those years? Like it streamlines so much and it's just easier to like get a good view of the week's past and looking back. And I'll sometimes even people that I've been coaching for years, I'll look back like three years ago and be like, what were they doing? What was that PR? When was that? And it's just like the, it's super, super convenient. I'm assuming. It is. I mean, and I think if, if, if I was smart about these things or when I have free time is actually, you know, going in like, and thinking in terms of a 12 to 15 week, like Boston training plan that, you know, that you can tweak and do things for people. But overall, if you're training for yes. Boston, there's certain things, especially a certain time. Uh-huh. So if I had that, it certainly would make it easier structuring their plan. Here's the but- Boston template. Yeah. <laughs> Add some mm-hmm. miles yeah, here, <laughs> add extra reps for this person. But like you're good is- at this, you're fast at that. You can like, yeah. you know, yeah, make it work for them. But um, the other part of it isn't rocket science. I, mean, I know what it's like to train for Boston, you know. Yeah. So. All right. There's your to do. There's your to do. <laughs> Get yourself okay, a Boston thanks. template in, in Final Surge. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't know what I was going to do this week. All right. <laughs> I I was just listening to um, like a businessy podcast about stuff like this and. Um, the lady was saying, yeah, it's like I have all these ideas and I meet with this business coach now and then like the two weeks will go by and she'll be like, so did did you do those three things? I see on Instagram that you didn't do this. And I'm like, right. that's what we need. We need accountability. Some of us need right. it more than others. I certainly do. Right. My husband set me up with someone like that too that can really help you with, you know, your, biz- your, your business plan or your model or these things and you know, I said, oh, I should have a, you know, a website or I should have this or I have that and promote myself. And she was all set to help me, you know, see, yeah, set up my website and set up, you know, my template these things. And yeah, I, I, <laughs> I let that one go really quickly. So I never got around to half of the homework she gave me. Uh-huh. Um, Ends up being a lot again, of that's back to because I don't feel whatever I'm doing seems to be working. Okay. So yeah. It's all right. Yeah. It's not broke. Don't fix it. If you're content, you're satisfied. Yeah. All those things. Um, What do you love to do outside of running? I like to be with my friends and I like to walk and I like to cook and I really love to read and I like um, find good foods, restaurants and wine tasting, love wine. Um, And uh, I just sort of keep myself busy. You know, I'm starting to think in terms of um, 
my whole backyard and kind of okay now now that's where I start doing like oh maybe now I should become a gardener uh-huh. <laughs> again why I don't know but thinking about you know growing you know my own doing a little vegetable garden like just thinking of new other little hobbies I want to do sort of around the house but overall I, I just really love being out outdoors and um you know um I can't say there's anything other I don't I don't have that certain hobby where I I don't knit <laughs> or <laughs> play the you piano run. or the, the yeah I run but you know I'm always I'm always uh inspired by things and people to, to maybe want to go start and try some new things because again yeah when the running isn't as available to me or I just choose not to uh-huh. do it I'm, I want to have those other things that I'm you know interested in so um but yeah you know being anything outdoors anything again with cooking baking reading drinking um mm-hmm. my dog um and my friends so and, and the coaching keeps me very busy too in certain ways. And when I start up with my um, cross country program for a middle school and then I have a youth program. So, you know, I'm kind of out there a lot. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the youth program that you do. My, my kids middle school, they're not in middle school yet, but the school they're going to go to doesn't have a middle school cross country team. And I'm like, what, what is this? Are there others in the region? I feel like this is kind of coming up or, it's it's building and building, especially in Sacramento. There really weren't that many, and now more and more middle schools are having them. Or if you're middle, another middle school will let your kids go run for Join their the team. team. Yeah, I need to look into it more. And I'm like, if you volunteer to be the coach, will they let you have a team? But then I guess if the other middle schools in your area don't have teams, then who do you run against? Because right. what tell us about the club that you coach? Well, my middle school. I mean, there are schools now that have cross country teams along with all their other the sports they do. And so middle school, you know, I'm, I'm hired by, I have to kind of go through the district and then, you know, cause I wanted to work at this one school, but you have to kind of go through all that stuff is um, not being a full-time an employee, but you know, I, uh, I work for the school as far as being their coach uh-huh. and you know, I sort of, for me, I love it. I sort of, even though I don't have to, um, I start in August with them as a preseason, um, just to, you know, let these kids who have no idea what they're getting into, you know, helps them because usually school starts, you know, right after Labor Day and our first meet September 9th or something like that. Mm. So if I don't get them going, um, they're, they wouldn't have any idea. So, and I also have to, you know, and then even before that, I have to learn like, who are the incoming seventh graders and how do I reach out to them? And, you know, I don't have anyone helping me. So it's a lot of organization stuff, um, setting the meets and organizing the parents, the kids, you know. And then I, after I sort of get everything straight and we start school in September, I meet them like Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, right after school, at school for 45 minutes to an hour. And luckily where we're at school, we can run right next door is the high school. So we can sometimes use their track if I want to teach them about track and speed work. But otherwise we can run right down the street and we have a, a park there, which literally has like different, like a half mile loop or a whole mile loop. And I can kind of watch or ride my bike or be out there and we get them on, you know, the little trail around the pike, the, the park and teach them about mostly um, pacing themselves, uh-huh. and, uh, <laughs> you know, like, okay, you know, cause you know, like all of us just go out, like back out of hell and just and uh-huh. then die 
Um, so working them with pacing and working them on just a little bit of technique. And if I'm like, I've also learned middle schoolers trying to get them to do any kind of stretching or a little, you know, drills that just, they're completely spastic. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you do what you can with some of the drills and stretching. They just want to kind of get going and run and do, you know, all that training and, and also just teaching them about cross country in general and what it is and a, a lot, get, working a lot on fast finishes, you know, so these mm-hmm. kids, like they see the finish line and then they throw up their hands and like start like walking it. And in the meantime, like 17 people pass uh-huh. them in the shoot. So, um, I teach them a lot about this is how you win a race and this is how you lose a race. Okay. Yep. Like do not slow down. Um, so, you know, it's just sort of teaching them all these sort of basic things about running and cross country because it's a whole other ball game once they get to high school, if they still want to do it and making them like it, you know, not making them hoping they like it and enjoy it. And you, yeah. you know, your runners from the get go, they're the ones that say, Hey, can I go do one more mile coach? Like, Sure. Okay. Sure. You know, or they just, or that you see them running around the park like on the weekend. You know, like you you know who actually get joy out of it. Uh-huh. Um, and then I have another little program I do with elementary school kids um, after school on Thursdays, and uh, that's truly to get them into running and doing little drills and relays. And then I take them off campus, and we can run from one to three miles in certain places. And then I do need parent help and support that way. Because I have their fir- their first grade to sixth graders, and um, and then it's fun because then I see them come up to middle school sometimes where I'm coaching, and I get to sort of see this the longevity of, you know, and then into high school. So, What's the elementary school program called? Like, did you just create it on your own, or are you synced up with an organization? It's my own. This all started, I want to say, 15, 16 years ago, me and some friends, our kids were at school there. Okay. Longer, and we just started our own little running club. Okay. Um, and they could come. And then it just sort of transitioned over time because you have this little running club. And then these parents would just dump their kids there because, okay, here's something they can do I'll, after school. Yeah, and I'll take an extra like, 45 minutes. It. Yeah. The kids hated it or like, and they didn't want to be there. I'm like, why are you here? Because my mom made me. I'm like, uh-huh. all right, well, you know, and then it just transitioned and our kids left there and then those other parents left the school and I just kept it going um, throughout the years until finally it's on my own and I just get a parent helper or two parent helpers and, you know, I now I charge a little fee for them too because I, not that I have to, but I also believe it holds them accountable. Like if the parents have to pay a certain amount for, you know, 12 weeks of, you know, after school is coaching, like, um, if it's free, then you sort of, they come when they want, they don't come. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, so, and I cap it at a certain amount and just sort of see who these little, who these runners are and that they really want to be there, but it's just called running club. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Running club. And I make them little t-shirts or at the school Sutterville. So something at Sutterville Running Club or Run Club. And um, I make them their t-shirts and we just all get out there as a little team and running. And they seem to really love it. It goes with your minimalist uh, running style. Just just running club. That's it. That's what we do. Yeah, running running club. Exactly. So good. (laughs) Yeah. Even my coaching, the people I coach, yeah, it's just like it's JH running. Um, So. (laughs) That's so good. Anyway. Um, well, what's something professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done yet? For sure. I want to get into motivational speaking. Um, and, you know, I'd love to be able to, and this is, again, where it would help if I had a website and things like that, yeah. but just to, <laughs> um, 
to work with, you know, you know, wellness retreats and, you know, personal growth and um, sports clinics and, and just get out there um, and yeah, do more speaking. Cause I, I certainly do get a lot of questions and emails and, you know, on Instagram and people having a lot of, want to know a lot about, um, you know, how they can do what they're doing at their age. And again, it doesn't even necessarily have to be about running. Not everybody loves running, but just sort of finding your joy, finding your passion, how you can do things as we get older. Again, that you don't have to put a cap on things that Mm. here's your ways of getting yourself ready or out the door and these, the small steps. I just, I get elastic a lot. And I, so I would love to have this platform where I can do some motivational speaking and I started it and then the pandemic happened and even some of the things I was signed, I was supposed to do some woman's retreat in Colorado and I was supposed to do something with a cycling club and then those things fell apart. And so now it's sort of building it again. And yeah, you know, like anything, when you want to get a job doing something or you need to have the experience doing it. So I'm, I, I'm still building it all. So people will know, okay, here, she did it here, here, she did it there. And, um, look for these places or moments in, like where I can actually do this. Cause I think I could do it well. And, um, I know it's in me. So that's something I really want to work towards and little by little putting the feelers out or talking to people, or if there's a certain place I like, or I've been that maybe would want to hire me as a, as a speaker for a day or, you know, and if it's a wellness spa retreat, I'll go for a few days. If we need yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing is, um, I think it, I think November. I'm really interested in getting my, um, you know, level two. Um, of course, if I never really remember how to say it, but the Salma Yay uh, certificate. Um, what I'll do, you know, being a Salma. Like, yeah, no, I'm not going to go work in a restaurant and do that kind of stuff. But I just, for my own knowledge, and this I, is wine. Again, I right? love wine. Yeah. Oh, say yeah, wine. So. Um, I'm going to go take a class and course and try and get that level too. I don't necessarily need to be a master sommelier, but, uh, you know, at least start with, I know enough that I'm already probably around a level one, but go get level two, level three and, and work on that, um, knowledge for me. And then, you know, I even love that of being able to help work in wine stores or give advice or people are again, because they know I like wine are always asking me, what do you uh-huh. compare nicely with this? I'm like, I don't know. Um, a red. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I know a little bit more, but I just, um, that would be another thing I'd like to do outside of running. So those two things. Anytime I'm at a restaurant and I'm handed a wine list, I'm like, I don't know, like, don't give me right. the cheapest one. Don't give me the most expensive, but like, right. I, I know nothing, just something red. <laughs> right. And a lot of people do like, if I go to a place or a restaurant and it, I say, you know, where's, what wines do you have? And they're like, oh, I don't know. We have a Sauvignon Blanc, a Chardonnay and a Cab. Like, okay. And I now already know that none of those are going to be good. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll, ha- I'll have a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I know. And we were just at dinner on Saturday and our friend like wanted to taste the bottle he was getting first. And I'm like, even if I tasted that though, I don't even know like would I know is this yeah. really good wine or not? So I'm just going to like, yeah. I'm just going to let you do your thing and I'll drink my glass. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of nice not knowing. I mean, if you can enjoy anything, I, I've gotten a little <laughs> spoiled. So um, I'm not a cheap date. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. What's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, I've been in a book group for over, gosh, 20 years. And these are some of my closest friends. And uh, uh, we read a lot of 
really good books. But I think even just sort of the last two I read were some I really enjoyed. And one was that uh, Demon Copperhead okay. by Barbara Kingsolver. Um, Love that. And also um, The Lincoln Highway by Amor Tolls. Because I, I love these sort of short saga um, stories that um, also have like these character building, you know. Um, so those were two books I really enjoyed. They're long, but I, I did enjoy them. Um, all right. Two more questions. Who sure. is someone fun, motivating or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with? Well, I love funny people. Um, anyone who can make me laugh, you know, you're immediately my friend. Um, uh-huh. So if I know this is fantasy, the first fantasy would be if I could go back in time and you know, go back or have a drink with my my mom, who I was super mm-hmm. funny and engaging and just an amazing sense of humor. It would be her. But that seems obviously completely impossible. But so is this next one. But I, I love um, comedian um, Leslie Mann. Um, okay. I don't know if you know oh, who yeah. she is, but she, oh, yeah. um, she's in like Knocked Up and uh-huh. uh, This is 40. She's married to Jed Apatow. But uh-huh. I find her so funny to that, you know, like I'm crying, laughing type uh-huh. person. Um, or maybe even Kristen Wiig from uh, Saturday Night uh-huh. Live. Anyway, so anyway, funny women, funny people. I, I would love to have cocktails and just that kind of laughing till you just want to die. You know, it's just so uh-huh. you're, you're crying, you know. I, I I love those kind of relationships or people. And there's not that many of them in the world, but th- there certainly no. are. But, um, uh, so anyway, those would be my, my choices for uh, a fun cocktail. Yes, I love that. I always wonder, like someone like Kristen Wiig, I'm like, is she ever serious though? I'm sure she is. but And I'm, I'm a little bit intimidated by people that are that funny. Because I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't know how to talk. And... Uh, I saw This Is 40 pop up on Netflix recently and I started watching it and I was like, this is too close to home. I was like, yeah. when I first watched this show, I was like 28 <laughs> and yeah. um, this is too real right now. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. just check out and uh, watch something else. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I think that's good that you still get to watch those kind of movies. Like I have to watch movies like approaching my age or a little older. You know, it's like um, Jane... Uh, Oh, why am I blanking? I seem already like Lily Tomlin, you know, or like, oh, uh-huh. that something's got to like, give. All these, yeah, like, all these like older women like going and doing something completely embarrassing or stupid. Like, you know, uh-huh. um, I still want to watch Knocked Up. Somebody just said Lily Tom answered this question with the answer Lily Tomlin. I can't oh, remember really? who it was, but somebody I recently interviewed. Yeah, they that was their answer, which I thought was interesting. I feel like actually, I wonder if I heard that. Um, was it... Um, She's someone you interviewed who actually I thought was really – she was very funny listening to her too. I felt like a lot – she was the one who was a dancer who did hip-hop classes. Oh, Laura Thweet? Yeah, I think that was it. Maybe she's yeah. the one that said something about Maybe her. though, but I feel like it's someone I haven't put out yet. I think it, it might have been Sage Herta, but – oh, yeah. Oh. Laura Thweet is hilarious and funny and so easy to interview. She's great. Yeah, when she was talking about her dancing, because I've that always been hilarious. like, I think I think I'm a really good dancer too. Like I can dance, and like I, everyone else kind of looks at me like, uh, <laughs> mm, you ever see that Seinfeld episode where Elaine's dancing? <laughs> like, oh, 
Uh-huh. <laughs> like, oh, it's so actually, good. I am a good dancer, but I guess other people don't really agree. But I like to dance too. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Me too. I'm not good at it, but I love it, and I love watching. Like, so you think you can dance? I love watching dancing stuff. Uh-huh. Or that's the one. That's the one thing I'll get sucked into on um, Instagram Reels. It's the dancing ones. That's what I'll yeah. get. Well, if I was that, could be that kind of dancer. I mean, I'm just talking like dancing to the, you know, brick house. Or, yeah, um, like you know, at a wedding, you. on the dance floor at yeah. a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm that person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what's your last message to leave with the audience? Well, I guess uh, not to sound like a, uh, a bumper sticker, um, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things without getting political, without being too cliche. But, I mean, I guess it's just, you know, be, be nice. I feel like there's so much, you know, anxiety and low self-esteem and anger out there and, and I feel like people are sometimes even just holding back saying nice things or supportive things or meaningful things to somebody, whether they know them or not, you know, and mm. I know that if you could just be nice or say something nice or, you know, something supportive to someone that it means so much to them and they'll feel good. And in return, you know, you'll feel good. Um, Cause I'm just, I'm feeling just a little wound up about just sometimes all the negativity that's around lately. So, um, and I know even again with running and racing and the things we do that being supportive of even the, you know, your competitors or the people that you run with to the people you coach to, you know, just that support and, you know, just being nice will go a long way with anyone. Yeah. I love that. And it's like, if you have the opportunity to cheer someone on, cheer them on. Even if they're not yeah. cheering you on, you can still cheer yeah. them on. Even if you might not even feel it in your gut and you might not even want to, you know, yeah. just it, once you do it, it feels so good and it goes so far for the people on the other end. Um, so um, it just, yeah, be nice people. <laughs> nice. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you. All right, friends, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Jenny, for coming on the show and sharing your story. You guys don't forget to follow Jenny on social media. She's Jenny Hitchings. You can find me. I'm Lindsay Hines 626. Uh, also on threads now, Lindsay Hines 626. I'm also still on Twitter at Lindsay Hine. And you can learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks so much for being here. And we will see you next week on All Have Another.